That's pretty good, right? Way to go, guys, in the back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is so fun watching y'all every Sunday. I can tell you things like, okay, all right, we can do that. Those of y'all that are new, my name's Pastor Tom. I'm mainly a preaching guy here. Here's who Mission Church is, and DG's, you gotta be a part of it this year. This is really like, if you wanna grow in Christ, to connect with other like-minded believers, to be challenged, to be pushed, to have the scripture be primary instead of what you think and what you feel, it will grow your heart, it will challenge you. So join Pastor Daniel afterwards. Uh, Mission Church has been around since I think 2008. Uh, it was started by a friend of mine who at the same time I was planting a church in the valley. Um, we came to Mission probably six years, six years ago this April. And uh, we just try to keep it simple here, okay? We study the Bible. We like to sing good songs that are theologically sound. Um, we like to commune with one another. We like to break bread. We like to share the gospel. We like to live the gospel. Uh, and in that process, this is where I see marriages saved. I see the paradigm of parenting change in the homes. I see opportunities for you and me to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. That's what San Antonio needs. They don't need more professional churches. They don't need the best worship ever. They need to worship the best God ever. And so we're not trying to be pretty and cool. We like those things. We want to be cool. We want you to like us. But it's secondary in terms of what we're called to do. We like to study the word. Um, as a church, we're pretty theologically very conservative. Um, socially, we're a little bit more tattoos and flip-flops type of church. Uh, we have the whole political affiliation here. Um, we listen to Christian music, but not all Christian music, because not all Christian music is good. If that offends you, I'm sorry, it's the truth. We like the Eagles, a little Led Zeppelin. We like great food, and we like great community, okay? So that's, that's who we are as a body. If, if that's something you're interested in, come and see me afterwards. Go talk to Pastor Daniel. Our community groups are giant parties. That, community, that, that, that big fair was last week. You can see in the um, map coming in on the right-hand side where a lot of our uh, discipleship groups are and who they're led by. So uh, just thanks for being here. Thank you. It's an honor to study the Bible with you today. So um, we're going to do Jonah for six weeks. How many of y'all, and, and a churchy is somebody that was raised in the church. How many of y'all are churchies? Raise your hands. How, how many of y'all feel like you have a pretty good handle on the Jonah story? So we all like, yeah, I do. I went to vacation Bible school. I know he was swallowed by a whale. Well, we'll find out. We'll look at all the details of the story. And what I think will happen for you is, as it happens for me, if the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, is living and active, then it is a relationship we have with God through His Word. And the Bible is the story of God. So we, we hold it on a very high platform. This is where God speaks to us predominantly. And I pray that he'll do so through Jonah during this study, okay? We'll be in um, five or six verses today. So Jonah, his name actually means dove. His father's name was Amittai, which means my truth. Born around 800 years before Jesus. Um, what we'll see in this study is kind of a spoiler alert if you haven't studied Jonah before, is what he's mainly known for is his disregard for God. 
What he's mainly known for is his disobedience. So much so that the early Pharisees of Jesus' day did not even recognize him as a prophet. They said, there's never been a prophet that's come from Galilee. Jesus' response was, yeah, there was actually, and he came to a a people more wicked than you, and they repented, Nineveh, that we're going to talk about, but you won't repent. Okay, so a lot of of tie-ins here. Uh, Check the map out right here. Jonah's from from a place called Gath-Hefer. It's right over Nazareth. If you were on a, looking at a giant map, Jerusalem is south. Bethlehem is south. So this is more of the, kind of the hill country where we live. This is kind of where they were. Isn't that interesting that he's raised that close to where Jesus was raised in Nazareth? Um, powerful thing. So that's just to give you that visual. I'm very visual. Here's the king that's the king of Israel at the time. His name's Jeroboam II. Now, Jeroboam is wicked, 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 okay? A horrible man. The time of Jeroboam, they had so much money that their land had extended again uh, in the days of King Solomon. They had a ton of wealth. They had a ton of entertainment. They had a ton of education. Does this sound familiar at all? And they had a a ton of self-confidence, which you can... You can kind of make that a synonym sometimes, but not all the time, for self-righteousness. So talking about this uh, yesterday, we had um, a 24-hour elder retreat. We also were plurality of elder church-driven, elder pastor. And eight of us went to a local place and just spent some time together, spent probably nine or 10 hours of work just preparing the whole year, talking about where we're headed, what we're called to do, et cetera. And uh, y'all, I'm just telling you, your elder pastors love you, and, and I love you. Our desire this year is for us to be together on what we're called to do. Now, what we realized when we were having this conversation was that when we have all that we need, when all your needs are met and all your wants are met, do you tend to be closer to God or distant from God? There's exceptions to every rule, and I think we can go both ways. But in my life, definitely, when I have everything I want and everything I need constantly, I tend to drift a little bit, if I'm honest. And why I drift is because I'm self-sufficient. I'm provided for. I've got air conditioning and a car and TV and HD and Wi-Fi and all these things and a good job and a good gym and a good coffee shop and et cetera, et cetera. Why do I need God? When do we as believers really draw near to the Lord? When? When when we're in deficit, when we're in pain, when we're at loss, when we are in trouble, this is when we turn to Almighty God. Um, That's what we want to make sure. Jeroboam as a king was so affluent, he uh, had turned away from God. And God was going to use this time of Jonah to show that even the most wicked of people, the Ninevites, can repent and turn to God. Imagine, um, and what we'll see in this story is when Jonah goes, he's radically called. He presents what God tells him to do under much duress. Imagine that we go to, I don't know, um, Second Street next Saturday night. All right. Some of y'all are already smiling. And we're not going to go around 7 p.m. We're going to go at 2 a.m. Anybody been there at that time? You don't want to raise your hands for that, do you? Um, A lot of us have been. It's very rough. 
And imagine that you and I are called by God to go there and proclaim the gospel. And we stand up in the middle of 6th Street and we say, repent, God is coming back. He loves you and he's died for you. And you have been called to recognize him. Repent and turn from this lifestyle. And right in front of us, like two or 3,000 people turn and say, you're right. You're right. God loves us. And they fall down on their knees and they repent right there. And we see a mass coming to Christ at a pretty rough place. This is what's going to happen in Nineveh. Like he's going to go begrudgingly yet he's gonna finally do it. He's gonna tell them to repent with bitterness in his heart, but the gospel is true and real. And the whole city turns and says, you're right, we've been wicked. And they stop and two or three generations are saved. Now, 150 years later, they're burned to the ground. They're eliminated, they're wiped out because they return to sin. But imagine if you and I could enter into this place this year where we say, Lord, right now is an opportunity for me to repent. Right now is an opportunity for me to listen. Right now is an opportunity for me to receive the gifts that you have given me. So um, Ninevites, capital of Assyria, whole city was wicked. They had hated the Israelites for years. They had warred, they had battled. Um, Jonah hated the Ninevites. You know why? because he felt superior. This was the reason. Now, they had been at war, but his response and the Israelites' response were, even in their wickedness and their, and their affluent, horrible lifestyle that they were living, they looked at, down on the Ninevites because they were a pagan people. And what had developed in Jonah over the years was this disregard for these people while at the same time he's receiving blessings from God. Does, does the church in America struggle with this at all? I mean, this is one of the most divided days of any city Sunday morning. This is where people part ways and they don't want to have anything to do with anyone except their own tribe. And I would submit to you, if we're going to be like the first generation church, there has to be diversity. There has to be difference. Now, we hold to one theology, we hold to one Christ. That's what unifies us. But man, in terms of how we look and who we are and what we're called to be and do, it should be so varied. It should be so different. Jonah didn't like that. So we'll go one, one through six today, Jonah chapter one. Let's pray in churches. Join me in asking the Lord to open your eyes that you might see, all right? Those of you that are new that don't know Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you today and that we're available for any questions. No question is a bad question. Uh, so let's ask the Holy Spirit just to enter into this place. Holy Spirit, please speak to us as only you can. We want to know your story. We want to know what we've been called to do, where we've been called to go, and what we've been called to say. Forgive us for running from you. Teach us to say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Speak. Here am I, Lord. Whatever you want, it is already yours. In your name we pray, King Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hear the word of God, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. In this passage right here, what God has just done is he has commanded 
Jonah to go. He has not said, hey, if you have some time on Tuesday, hey, listen, if you want to, I could use you for this. He has commanded Jonah to go. My father would say things to me. I'm from the, I'm from the country country. And my father would say things to me like, hey, Tommy, if you're available tomorrow, could you help me in the North Pasture? What he was really saying was, you're going to the North Pasture tomorrow. It was a command. He was just being Southern nice about it. Okay. When God commands you and commands me, he is not asking for your opinion or your preference. He is calling you to say, yes, Lord. And that's the only answer right here. What, what, is, he, what is Jonah called to do? Get up, to go to Nineveh and call them out. Go to this people group that Jonah had major issues with and to call them out, to tell the truth and to call them to repentance. Verse three, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. It was exactly the other way. So he paid the fare and went down into it, into the boat to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah flees from God. He's called to go in this direction to do this thing uh, and to speak the truth. And his response is, I don't want to do that. Okay. Jonah runs away like, like, like God could not see him. I mean, and so as we read this, I think a lot of us go, yeah, that's dumb. Of course, God could see him. Yeah. So why do you do it? Why do, why do I do it? So, um, my daughters aren't here. I think they're in the next service. When they were little, um, they loved to play hide and go seek. Anybody like to play hide and go seek? I still like it. That's an awesome game. When you're little, you're an amateur hide and go seeker. You're not that good at it. And so they would hide under the coffee table. I'm like, I can see you from here. Or they hide under the bed and their legs are sticking out, you know? Or they hide behind the curtain, you see it shaking, that type of thing. And then as they get older, they get better and they up their hide and go seek game. And now you're looking and you want to encourage your children, right? So you find them sometimes and other times you're like, I don't know where they are. And you're like, you're talking to yourself, walking through where you know they are. And their response is, I'm over here. <laughs> because they want to be found. You and I don't want to be found. Jonah did not want to be found. He had some issues going on inside his heart that kept him from accepting his calling. And so his response was to run the other way. He purchases a ticket, goes in the opposite direction. He goes down into the ship to hide. Why does Jonah run away? And I'm going to jump to chapter four and read a passage because through this whole study, we'll see that Jonah has this going conversation diatribe with God and he still responds incredibly poorly here's what he says uh, Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 and he prayed to the Lord and said oh Lord is not this what I said when I was yet in my country that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish to want to run away from you for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Well, how dare God be these things? What Jonah was saying is, I want those things for myself, but they should not get it. 
I, I, I want them for myself. I want you to be, and I, let's read this list together. For I know that you're a gracious God. I need God's grace. I need it every day. I need it all day long. I, I, I have horrible thoughts. I have horrible reactions. I miss things. I'm selfish. Uh, I can be about myself. I can be self-righteous. I can be all these things. I need the grace of God in my life. Merciful. How many, how many people need mercy? Listen, you need mercy from your sin. You also need mercy from just not making the right choice sometimes. Sometimes it's not a sin what you chose. It was just a poor decision. And you need mercy in that regard too. So we need the mercy. Slow to anger. Anybody want God to be fast to anger? Like I, we, we can't bear it underneath that. Okay, I, I am so thankful that God is patient with me and kind, steadfast in his love, which means his love for you is not like this. It is consistent. It is, it is weighty. It is heavy. And for the believer, it is forever. Forever you are loved. This is what, hallelujah, this is what steadfast love is and relenting from disaster. Jonah wanted these things but he did not want other people to have them. This is where we have to explore our hearts a little bit. Okay, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you two superpowers. I wrote about them in the Lent book we're gonna have available to all of you guys for Lent season this year. Two superpowers. Now, when I was a kid, I loved Superman because obviously, and this is, you, it's not an argument because I have the mic, Superman is better than Batman. Let's just establish that and move on, okay? He's super, he can fly, lasers come out of his eyes, so he has a problem with kryptonite. That's his only thing. Other than that, he's fantastic. Okay, he was my favorite super, super person. You and Christ have several superpowers that are above and beyond what earthly people can understand. The first one is this, forgiveness. Forgiveness is a superpower because it gives you the capacity to move past somebody's actions because when you can't, they control you with what they've done. The abuser controls the abused. If that's all they can think about and they can't get away from it. The pain and issue and hurt that we've experienced, if we cannot ask forgiveness and move on, if we cannot give forgiveness and move on, it controls you and it wrecks you and it changes you. And it's, it has changed Jonah right here. Jonah was full of things for himself Yet he did not want to forgive. Therefore, it had changed him and he could not see God for who he was. This is why I made haste because I know that you're a wonderful, uh, amazing God. What this looks like in your life and my life, can we just agree? And I know we can't on paper, but this is something that we as a church have to work out this year. This really is what discipleship groups are for, okay? Can we agree that God's will for our life is better than our will for our life. The decisions we've made in the past stand and speak for themselves. Can we agree that if we can figure out just the power and beauty of obedience, that our lives will be more peaceful? I didn't say better, because I see, look, it, the truth is some of you there. God is calling right now. I've seen a ton of people come to Christ and their life gets super hard after they do. But there's way more peace. So give me peace in the middle of suffering over um, confidence in self. 
uh, in the middle of everything. One will kill you. The other one will save you. And, and we want people to be saved. Like a church doesn't use that language a lot anymore. Are people getting saved? Are we seeing people get saved? Saved from what? Themselves. Their own decisions. My decisions. Yours. If God is calling you to get up, go, and speak, you must obey. And, and I don't know what the thing is. Uh, in, in my life, in Selena's life, as we pray over decisions, for me, it starts off as like almost uh, a sense, hey, this needs to change, or I need to respond that way, or I need to have this conversation, or I need to help these people do whatever the thing is. And it goes from kind of like a sense to almost like um, brown noise, like, ooh, like I can just, it's around me. And then it gets louder. And, and, and let me tell you something. As God is calling you, church, if you don't respond, the voice may go away. Maybe not forever, but I, I've definitely muted the Holy Spirit in my own life before. I know I'm in a moment called to text or call or forgive or serve or whatever. And my response is, yeah, I can do that later. And then later you're wondering, did I really hear that from the Lord? Was that if you're calling is to go somewhere or do something, you and I must learn how to respond. One of the best ways to do that is to be in the communion or the community with other people that are trying to do the same thing. And most of us in our professions, we have groups of other professionals that are like-minded. Amen? Like I'm on a text thread with probably 15, 18 national pastors. We're all lead guys and we all face the same thing and we talk about theological issues for us and they sharpen me and a lot of them are much younger than I am. And, and it's a sharpening and it's a holding account and it's convicting. These are the things that if you and I kind of join um, Jonah on the bottom of the boat, try to hide from everything, we'll see in a minute why he does that, that we're gonna miss an opportunity to grow. We're gonna really miss some good things hear this, in your denial and in your hiding, God still goes with you. This is the non-believer's worst nightmare. Okay? And this is the Christian's greatest blessing. So, in your sin, I know you want to be by yourself. You're not. You're not. In your need, I know you don't want to be by yourself. You're not. God is present. Jehovah is present with you and with me. And he has some incredible answers. Verse four, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. God raises up mighty wind to cause a storm. Now, how many of you are, you, you love the water, you're on the water. I've been swimming since I was, how many of y'all love the water? How many of y'all love to go to the lake? How many of y'all love to go to the ocean? How many of y'all love to go to the deep, deep ocean? Amen. Few, well, a few hands went down on that one. And it, the reason is, is because you're highly intelligent. And you know, in the ocean, there are things that can bite your feet. And if they can bite your feet, they can bite the rest of your body, as we're going to see in this story. Okay? I, I'm not a big fan of deep sea. I like lakes. Uh, somebody was talking about a cruise last year. I'm like, mm, not interested in going on a cruise. But I would go on that European cruise that you're right down the middle of the river. If it sinks, you can swim to the shore. I'll do that kind of cruise. Okay, this, they're deep in water. And 
a tempest comes up. Now, uh, before Selena and I were married, we were at a, we, we met at Second Baptist in Houston, tiny little church of 40,000. And so our singles group is two or 300 people. And we're at a local lake and we're just having a great time. And the water is glass. And we see to the west of us, a storm kicking up. And it comes upon us so fast. There's two people out on jet skis. One was out on a, a little sailboat. We were all on the dock hanging out. And we saw the storm come down the river. And within minutes, there was 15 foot swells. Now, some of y'all that surf know what that means. You have 15 foot swell. You, have, you can have a 30 foot wave and they're deadly. And we literally were all caught in awe as we're looking out going, Oh my gosh, I thought the two people on jet skis were gonna die, they made it in. Sailboat turned over, that, that person was saved. But it was so high and so furious that most of us that were used to water didn't know what to do. So in this story right here, this is the type of storm that's happening. It's not a, not a little one, it's a big one. Verse five, then the mariners, the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean you sleeper? Like, what are you doing? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, I'll just, I'll give you a freebie today. When you fly, if there is turbulence, has anybody ever been in heavy, I've had, I've been in one plane once where my drink lifted all the way up off the, the deal. And, and I, I mean, you feel your heart going to your throat. The rule of thumb is just watch the attendees. If they're not bothered by the turbulence, neither do you have to be. But if they get nervous, you should begin to pray, okay? In a boat, if you're in a boat and the sailors, the professional mariners, are crying out verbally to their gods and asking to live for help, you ought to be nervous. Now, where's Jonah during this time? He's gone to the bottom of the boat and physics wise, if you wanted the most peaceful space in a storm, it would be at the bottom of the boat, okay? Kind of like a fulcrum, if you will. Um, Jonah's down there and he is kind of embodying what a lot of us do when we're in a depressed state or a bitter state or an angry state, non-forgiving state, we just want to do whatever is necessary to get away from the calling. So you tend to sleep a lot. You tend to uh, watch too much TV or stay on the computer or whatever, or work out too much, whatever your thing is. Jonah is in this process of just trying to remove himself. The sailors were so scared, they cried out loud. Out of desperation, they threw all their cargo into the sea, which means that the whole trip They'll make no money. All they wanted to do was live. That's how precarious this was. Jonah was in such a denial. He's in the bottom of the boat and the captain is disgusted with Jonah. Now think about that for a second. The, the non-believer is disgusted with the believer. And, and I, listen, this is not a direct science, but I'll just tell you, if you and I as believers, if our response to God is no, even non-believers in the future will recognize some of your bad choices. They'll even say, I'm not even a Christian, but I wouldn't do that. I'm not even a Christian, but I, would, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't have that mindset. I'm not a Christian, but I mean, golly, how angry he got. How dismissive she was. 
how pretentious that situation was, the non-believer is disgusted with the prophet. What this looks like in your life, my life, practicum. God is going to have his way in your life, in my life. His way is, is, is going to be taken care of. And we use the example of kind of a rock like in a, in a river bed. The water is coming. The Lord is saying to me and you, I want to take you somewhere. I want you to bring you on my journey. But if your response and my response is no, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I can do. I'm going to tell you how I've chosen to respond. I'm going to tell you what I'll give and you where I'll go. Then God just goes right around and keeps on moving. And his will is going to be done. God is not thinking of ways to entice you right now. Okay? He just has perfect knowledge. You and I are the ones that struggle with our thoughts. God doesn't struggle with his. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. And his will is going to be done. Now, one of my, we don't let uh, our kids date till they're 18. <clears throat> I'll explain that to you if you want me to after service. Just don't want anybody practicing on my kids. I mean, that's my decision. That's Selena's decision. So one of our daughters, they, they have no problem with that. Kids don't have any problem not dating at 10 or 11. Amen? They're like, yeah, I don't want to date. They're gross. I don't want to do that. But then 13, 14, life begins to change, braces come off, whatever. And one of our daughters really began to have an issue with that. And she didn't verbalize it. I could just see it in her face. And so I came to her one day and I said, honey, look, you're, 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 you're awesome. You're an awesome kid. I know you don't agree with the non-dating policy. She's like, no, sir, I don't. I said, well, we're not going to change it. And I know you're going to obey me because that's, you know, you're a Christian. You ha I'm your dad. You have to obey me as I follow Jesus. She said, yes, sir. I said, if you're going to obey me, why don't you just own it? Why don't you just stop this fighting and just own it? Because it's how it's going to be. And, and she prayed about that for a few days and came back and said, you know, you're right, dad. I'm going to. And to her credit, that's what she's done. So. Is it, is it necessary? And I know on some level it's going to happen to me and to you this year. Is it necessary that we keep pulling and pushing against the will of God this year? And I'm pointing fingers at myself right now, church. Like there are things that I resist and I know I don't want to do that. And I don't want to respond that way. And I don't want to forgive. And I don't want to serve. And I don't want to just confess my anger or whatever the thing is. Me too. But what would it look like if we begin to say consciously in our accountability with our care for one another, as we read the story of God, as we, we spend some time in prayer, okay, Lord, like I'm, I'm going to stop fighting you on this. A worthy prayer to pray is, I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to forgive. Would you put forgiveness in my heart? I don't know how to love my mother and my father after what they did. Would you put would you put forgiveness and love in my heart? I don't know how to respond to this person, but you do. And your will and your way is perfect. Lord, please teach me, show me. What areas in your life do you think God doesn't know about or understand? Um, the answer is he knows about all of them. The key to any resolve of pain, hurt, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, is communication with the one who does understand. And this is the beauty. Let me just speak to the non-believers for a second. Um, 
I don't know your history and what you know about Jesus or that maybe you know he was a holy man or he was a good guy or whatever. Um, he called himself God. And what scripture records and history records is that he was perfect. So, which means he was tempted like you and I are tempted. Many of us have been tempted today in an ideal or look at or whatever. We'll be tempted this afternoon and many of us will fail. That's the truth. I don't accept that. I want to fight it. I hate temptation because it leads to sin, but temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted. The difference is you and I fall into temptation. Jesus, what he did with that sin, scripture records, is that he allowed that sin to be imputed onto him. And so when he's going to the cross, he's feeling the ickiness and the shame and the pain. He comprehends the things you've done and he never did them. He understands how you feel right now. He understands what you've gone through. He understands the hurt you're experiencing. He understands your loss. And his response is not just get over it. His response is come to me. Come to me. Come into this space with me. I, Father God, I am, your, I am your father. I love you. And he wants to care for your soul and for mine. He, God wants us to talk to other people about this. God does not want you to lock it down and just be, a, be stronger. If you just, you, you, can, you can just make it happen this year, it's, it's not gonna work for you. That's what our process has been uh, in, in, in the rear view. I'll finish with this and then I'll give you a verse, kind of gives us a charge from Hebrews to really empower what we're called to do. Um, how are we praying right now? Like, there's different ways we can pray. Like, I was raised in a church, so I could rattle off some prayers at a pretty early age, just parrot what my parents said. And then I kind of got a little independent by seven or eight, and I would I have like the uh, to-do list for God. Okay, guys, me and you again, I need you to watch over mom and dad and watch over the dog and, and allow me to play sports really awesome. And um, amen. And just give God this list, what he's called to do. Other times we can pray in a way that we really don't even believe what we're saying. Lord, please help me. He probably won't. And Lord, just watch over my family. Something bad is probably going to happen. And Lord, I would just, you know, give me the strength to love other people. But I don't really feel like loving them. We've already defeated ourselves. Or or we can pray like we're going to see the Ninevites pray in a couple chapters to where their response is going to be to fall on their face, forgive us, uh, we have issues. Lord, help me to cry out like the sailors did in these verses. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Speak, Lord. Please speak. I have to have you speak. I can't, I can't go forward unless you speak and you move. James says we don't have because we don't ask. Maybe this is the year for us asking, asking a lot and, and, and praying bigger prayers than what we pray and believing in the God of the ages to answer those prayers. Now, here's what Hebrews says, chapter 415, we'll finish with this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Okay, uh, those of you that are from Catholic background, uh, you don't need multiple priests, you just need one. His name is Jesus. 
and he happens to be God and you can go directly to him right now. You don't have to wait to do a confession. You can confess to the one who forgives. You can confess to the one who already knows. That's what you and I can do right now. We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. There's your verse. Because of that, because he gets us, right? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How do we get to the house of Shalom more this year? How do we get to that place of peace? How do we get to that place where we can be at the throne of grace and receive all the gifts God has for us? The thing about heavenly gifts is they always bless other people when they bless you. It, they're never meant to be just kept to ourselves. So the more, the more grace you're given, church, the more graceful you are. So the, the second superpower, one of them is forgiveness. The second one, a big one is praise. If we can learn how to praise the God that made us, that created us, it is a superpower because it really begins to clear the cobwebs of how we understand God. And it just, we give him worship at the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find this grace to help in time of need. You're gonna be in need sometime this year. Maybe you, did, maybe you are right now. Maybe you're in great need right now. And your response has been to handle it yourself. How's that working out for you right now? When I do it, it's horrible. Like I, I see everything differently. I hear everything differently. I misconstrue what people say. I get very warped in my mind because I've already locked myself into an ideal that's not true. And so I'm, I'm very susceptible to others. So church, may, may, the Lord, may the Lord speak to you this year and may you speak to him. May we learn how to forgive. Uh, may we, may we uh, we're gonna study this later. One of the pastors and I were talking about this this past 24 hours. May we bring God's peace to people, okay? May we bring them our shalom. And we maybe bring the house of Shalom to them in our presence of forgiving and loving and serving. And is this difficult? Yes, the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. And apart from Jesus, you can't. So what's our hope? Only Jesus. Those of you that are, that are new to the church, there's only one way to God. His name is Jesus. You want to meet him today? We can talk. We can share with you. Discipleship groups will be right afterwards. You need to be a part of these. This is the big, This is the lifeblood of our church. All the elders are invested in this. Most of the leaders are invested in this. Like this is what we do. If you're looking for a church that you can just attend on Sunday, we got some great options for you. I'll, I'll share them with you afterwards. But if you're looking for a church that believes in discipleship and lives it out, welcome home. We'd love to have you. Is it hard? Yes, it's very hard. Let's, let's do the hard things together instead of by ourselves. Amen? All right, let's pray. Uh, communion team, y'all can come down front. Almighty God, we thank you for the blessing of forgiveness and mercy. And we wanna be at your throne of grace more often. 
Lift up our community groups that meet here in San Antonio. May they be just homes of shalom that people go to and experience other believers. We lift up our discipleship groups. Lord, we want to band together with others that are seeking you. We cannot do this by ourselves, and you have not commanded us to be by ourselves. You've commanded us to be in your body. Um, I just lift up brothers and sisters here today that need prayer. I lift up brothers and sisters today that are maybe bitter and angry. I lift up brothers and sisters that are struggling with addictions. I pray in your name, Lord, that they would realize that they're in a safe place. They're in your house. They're in your family. And Lord, may we serve one another. May we give grace as we have received grace. In your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen. When you're